Hello and welcome to the Amaze podcast, where we talk to businesses large and small, experts in subjects across the spectrum of business, entrepreneurialism, tech, innovation, investment and finance. I'm Jake Shaw, your host. If you'd like to learn more about Amaze, please go to www.amaze.com. Hello everybody, today I am joined by Ian Silverstein. Ian has a long history of creating businesses from scratch. He took a design business from its beginnings just north of London in St Albans all the way to Qatar, Oman, Bahrain and uh, the UAE. Uh, Good morning, Ian. Morning, Jake. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So, Ian, could you just give uh, the listeners just a sort of potted history of yourself and your business? Um, Yeah, well, I set up a design agency. I'm one of Thatcher's children, so I set up a design agency when I was 18. It was very much... I don't, know what, I don't even know now why I set up a design agency. I think there was a passion for design and creativity. I grew that from a UK business to a top 10 national business, and then we took it international. The whole kind of experience in the Middle East came via a very good client. So I'd worked with Vodafone for over nine years in the UK, Japan, and Europe. And one afternoon, they just said to me, hey, you know, would you go out to Bahrain? And would you help us set up our brand in Bahrain? And I said, yeah, no problem at all. Only manager of a business. Kind of found it quite exciting. Jumped on a plane, landed Within two hours, I kind of realized the sun was shining all the time. Hospitality was fantastic. And we started on a journey in the Middle East. So in 2002, we launched Vodafone in the Middle East in Bahrain. That project went very well. It was for a Kuwaiti-owned business. So the Kuwaitis came down at the end of the project, had a look at it, uh, loved what we did in um, Bahrain, and then took us to Kuwait. So we did another nine months in Kuwait. From there, in 2005, I went to Qatar um, and started a whole interesting journey where we actually kind of set up a business in Qatar and started developing lots and lots of local clients from Cat Foundation, working on the 2022 bid, um, lots of energy companies, lots of sports companies. And then really that business grew through successful projects. We won a successful project in Oman. So we uh, launched a telecoms company in Oman. So we set up an office in Oman and did work with lots of clients down there. And then through a kind of a, our sponsor relationship, we then set up uh, an office in Bahrain so I've kind of done a full circle. So I think about 2012, so 10 years after my initial kind of foray into the Middle East, I kind of found myself setting up a business in Bahrain. Um, and as I said, we then went to work from there. We worked in Miramar, we worked in India, we worked in um, the UAE, um, Jordan. So we worked all around the region, but it, uh, that was certainly, we'd arrived as an international business with four offices around the world. And that was right up till 2017. And a number of things happened, changed from my personal life. Um, So I then started building uh, a new house, um, a 5,500 square foot house from the ground up. That led me to setting up a locations business. Um, When the house was finished, people basically said to me, oh, you know, you should definitely rent that out for films, TV shows, movies, what have you. Didn't really think much of it. And, you know, within 12 months, I had myself kind of generating a six-figure income. Since then, it kind of takes us up to the Silting locations now has 15 locations. But we're constantly taking bookings for movies, Sky TV shows, BBC Two dramas. Um, look out for a great drama coming out next year from close to me. If you were talking to an entrepreneur right now who's got a business, whatever it may be, and they're thinking of building markets overseas, what are top three things that you would tell them to do, Ian? Do your research, um, especially when you're looking at cultural differences, um, ethical differences, even rulership differences. You've got Qatar, and from 2005, they have a Qatar 2030 vision. 
That was published in 2007. It's available on the internet. Anybody can look at it. 2030 Catavision. You can see the document. And as their ruler is not a democratic ruler, they have the ability that they can plan for 25 years ahead. It was and still is incredibly impressive, incredibly confident, incredibly arrogant, but now, 13 years on, incredibly achievable. You know, they are you know, dominating the world as far as economy and growth. So the first thing I would do is know your landscape. If, if you're going into a country that has very different cultural beliefs, then understand it and respect it. You know, don't go in there and just do what you do. Know your people before you start going into business with them. In the Middle East, you have to have a local partner. Cannot underemphasize the importance of finding the right people. Um, there's a very strong hierarchy system in the Middle East and you've, you've got to understand that hierarchy you've got to understand the protocol and you've got to understand how you're going to carve your way through it I'd say the second thing is patience I was walking into an emerging market I was walking into a growth economy but I was also walking into a very volatile economy on a global stage so patience has to be something if you if you haven't got patience and you're not prepared to give it time don't bother I think the third one is accept the fact that you're not going to get it right the first time. And there are going to be some learnings along the way. And there are going to be potentially some expensive costs that you weren't aware of. For example, Doha being the booming capital that it was, we found office space incredibly expensive. I mean, disproportionately expensive from what we've been used to in London. Or, and just the red tape. As an emerging market, they didn't have a lot of things in place. So very, very simple things like setting up a company, which you can do for a couple hundred pounds in three days here, would take seven months. There wasn't a roadmap in place to do that. So I would say uh, research. You can never do enough research. People and patience. Talking about doing your research, you're talking about your, your cultural sensitivity. But that comes down to also the delivery of work, doesn't it? I remember you telling me many years ago, we don't use cornflower blue because it was before there was any sort of peace talks with Israel. They all liked using green because that's the colour of Muhammad. And they're all quite fond of having falcons. Take the listeners through that. Well, you've got to bear in mind, we're looking at a Bedouin society. It started from families growing their industries into huge national businesses and now into international businesses. So with that comes the basics of what they're aware of. So, you know, we entered into the world of branding and creativity when they didn't really know what that was. If you went through the telephone directory in 2005 and looked under Q, everything started with a Q because it was very, very simple how they branded their company. If I made glasses, I'd be called Cata Glasses Company. If I made oil, I'd be called Cata Oil, Cata Gas, Cata Airways, Cata this. It was only really we started to see 2012, 2013, where people actually realized they didn't have to have the word Cata in everything. Take that back to how they looked. They all looked the same. If you're in shipping, you had a boat with a crest and the name underneath. If you were in oil, you had a tank. It was very simple design. I think the best project we did, the challenge that was, we, we redesigned the brand for the Bahrain Football Association. Now, we, we also, when we finished the project, we were so proud of it. We, we actually did a video about the, the, the step change. Now, if you looked at the brand that it was, it was your stereotypical shield. It looked like something you'd put on a school blazer in the UK. And the challenges that we took them through to say, this is, you need to embrace future. So, you know, it was all about embracing the past, but challenging the future. And we came up with an amazing logo for the BFA, which you can have a look at on the BFA website. And it was, that was, a, that was a real achievement because we took them through that journey and they understood, they understood the journey. And what, they, what we came out with the end was a very stylish logo that still played homage to the past. So I think culture is, is, is very, very strong. 
and you need to, you can't ignore it. Tell me a bit about your entrepreneurialism. You know, you you said I've kind of fallen into things, or it just happened. But th- th- there's slightly more to that, isn't it? If you're doing it from an entrepreneurial point of view, and it's actually making some money, there must be some decisions that you make in that process. I mean, you know, take take sourcing locations for example. I had a desire and a passion in me to build a house. I was very lucky I had some land. I built a home. I built a house and a home. I didn't build something that was then going to turn into a business. I then got approached by quite a few people saying that house is unbelievable. Why don't you do this? And I went, well, actually, why don't I? So I suppose maybe the entrepreneurial bit is to say, actually, why don't I? Rather than say, oh, don't be silly. I can't do that. But I built a house. Someone came along to me and said, why don't you do this? And I suppose the entrepreneur in me said, yeah, why not? So maybe that's where you would see that as entrepreneur and I would see it as opportunist, right time, right place, what have you. Yeah, I think most of the projects I get involved with are really through building personal relationships first or being recommended people. And I love working with people. You know, people do business with people nowadays, even more so now. You know, we're all desperate to get out there and I wouldn't say shake hands with each other, but certainly sit down and interact with each other and just, you know, talk and discuss and engage. That's the bit we've all been missing for 10 months. But do you think it's easier now to do that with all the technology compared to where you started 20 years ago? My ideal job is to have no staff, no overheads and a good work-life balance. That was five years ago, even more so now. I'm, I'm talking to you in front of a very nice new laptop, a mobile phone and a couple of nice little accessories around me. That's all I need. The rest of it comes from the person that's looking at that screen me i can do my business anywhere in the world i'm actually looking to disappear for the month of january and go and sit on the beach and work because everything i do can be done on a beach um why not you know life we're here for a good time not a long time so in one of the projects you're involved in is a it's not a media channel is it it's actually something else so i wanted to come up with a channel that was basically constant blue sky so so i set up a media channel called good news channel it's not cat falling out of tree fodder it's not instagram you know this is my perfect life fodder it's actually about wholesome people doing wholesome things that make a difference and make a change it's growing i've got a good team of people now um it's something that i've i'm very passionate about i think there is a step change and really for those of you that remember it's that little bit of that last story on the 10 o'clock news that said and finally i want to i want to come up with a, a channel that you can I want you to come home from a hard day's work. And rather than going for a bottle of wine, I'm just going to get my injection of good news. And, you, and at the end of that, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of watching a channel, you go, do you know what? Life isn't so bad. It's, it, you know, there are people out there that are doing all these wonderful things. And that's what the good news channel is. It's, it, it needs to be a platform for everyday people doing everyday good things. So Ian, where do people get hold of you? Just me, Emmy at iansilverstein.com or at Ian Silverstein on Instagram. Uh, but probably best thing to do is have a look at the website, which is iansilverstein.com. Ian Silverstein, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more podcasts like this, please go to www.amaze.com. And don't forget to like and share this podcast. <laughs>